Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. This program is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're talking about human rights, what they are, how they have evolved and why they are important. In several of our previous programs we have made reference to human rights and their being breached or ignored or at least being in danger of being breached. As a matter of fact, as recently as last week, we referred to the human right of Aboriginal person to not be tortured whilst in police custody or in prison. Yeah, and the week before we discussed how politicians refer to human rights abuses by other nations to deflect attention from their own country's shortcomings. Yeah, we gave the example of Australia's growing underclass, as we called it, and how their rights are being violated, but how this is being deflected by referring to China's breaches of human rights against their Uyghur citizens. Yeah, so we thought it timely to dedicate a full program to a conversation about human rights, including their uses, their meaning and their limits. Simply, the underlying idea of human rights is that there should be certain acceptable ways human beings are to be treated by others, especially by governments. Uh, Certain things that they should have access to, I guess, like food, water, sanitation, housing. Uh, In short, uh, human rights refer to how people should generally live together and and treat one another across all their differences. Mm. So there are certain things human beings should not have to earn or to fight for. Mm -hmm. They are their due as human beings. Hence, the use of the term natural rights, Mm. that already was in use by a few philosophers uh, in the 17th and 18th centuries in European contexts after the breakdown of the feudal system, the emergence of powerful cities and the early traces of nation-states. Yeah, and later there was the idea of international agreements and pledges about selected human rights between states. Yeah, that's right. We often associate human rights with the formal legal and political establishment and the formalization of conventions and declarations following the Second World War as part of the development of the system of the United Nations. To quote the Australian Human Rights Commission from its website, quote, The United Nations was established in response to proposals for the creation of a new world body to monitor relations between states. The United Nations is an international organization representing the body of states established according to the United Nations Charter in 1945. One of the purposes of the United Nations is to promote and encourage respect for human rights through international cooperation. There are currently at least 190 to uh, 92 member states. Mm. Yeah, and also from the website of the AHRC, quote, In 1948, 
the United Nations General Assembly adopted the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. This was the first time that countries agreed on a comprehensive statement of inalienable human rights, unquote. As mentioned, the idea of human rights was not new at that time. Just the concerted and coordinated push amongst the assembly of existing nations to have international agreements around certain common principles. For example, just some historical examples, the Magna Carta in England in 1215 limited the absolute power of the king and laid out some basic rights for the protection of the people, Mm -hmm. such as the right to a trial and the requirement for courts to decide if someone was being held legally or not. Mm. As well, it gave free commoners the right to gather wood and other goods of the forest, Mm -hmm. to grow food on the commons, and they had the freedom to move. Yeah, so that was legal protection for the commons. Exactly. Mm. Although associated with European thought and history over the last 900 or so years, human rights have their parallel in the history of most cultures. This is because human rights are nested within ethical frameworks for living, either explicit or implicit. Yeah, so human rights go along with ideas about how we should live relationally in social contexts, whether people are part of communities, guilds, or I guess other more or less permanent arrangements. Yeah, such ethical frameworks invariably provide guidance for mutual respect, regard and fairness in our dealings with one another. So obviously they were often very selectively applied, usually to, inverted commas, free citizens, usually adult males and excluding women, slaves and other strangers. So even in ancient Greece, often referred to as the origin of modern democracy, Slavery was common and and accepted, and women had no vote and few rights. Yes, and even after the official establishment of the Universal Declaration in '48, the agreed-upon human rights only applied to the citizens of those countries who had reached nation status Mm -hmm. and could become members of the United Nations, but it excluded the large number of still-dependent colonies. Yeah, and I don't think that's well known. Mm. Shockingly, uh, people in many places colonised by European nations were not protected mm-hmm. by formal human rights. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, on that note, we'll go to a music break, A Migrant's Lullaby by Roy Bailey. Dinner's done, it's time to clear the kitchen table Rubber soles and leather wrappers stacked in rows Ali's on the needle, Mohammed spreads the glue Mother does the dishes, Dad's drunk and wants to argue Fatima's hands are bleeding, tonight she gets to watch a TV show In the morning she'll have twice as much to do So lie down and sleep, little one There's only four hours till dawn Tomorrow's a new day The deadline's on Tuesday 
There's still so much work to be done Now Mohammed, he won't speak to his dad no more Says he had a nerve to bring them here Fatima, she's older, she's got a bit more sense She knows her old man's drinking is just his last defence Her mother looks so weary Ali pours his dad another beer He drinks it down with a broken man's defiance He says lie down and sleep Little one There's only four hours till dawn You're listening to Think Again 3CR 855 AM on your dial 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about human rights, what they are, how they have evolved and particularly how they are applied. Continuing our discussion from before the break, human rights were never really universal and they remain below par in that regard. Usually a distinction is made between three successive generations of human rights as the, un- the Universal Declaration evolved over time. The first generation of human rights is often referred to as the negative sets of rights, as they protect the political and civil human rights of individuals against their negation by state and governments, very much in the spirit of the revolutions claiming individual freedom and the right to amass property during the late 1700s and early 1800s all across Europe and elsewhere. Yeah, and then we had the second, what's called the second generation of human rights. Uh, The second generation made the economic and social rights explicit. And these emerged during the late 50s and 60s, I guess as part of that movement of activism around that yes, time. Yes, and also the strengthening of unions and uh, those kinds of, let's call it, movements. Mm-hmm. Against also the strenuous res- res- resistance of many states who remained in step with the demands of the economically powerful. Mm. <clears throat> so you're saying, Jacques, the second generation of economic and social mm-hmm. rights, there was a lot of resistance against them by the state, by, right. by many states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so finally... We have the third generation of human rights dealing with cultural and collective rights, and we certainly don't hear so much about them, nope, do we? No, and the reason is that they are especially focused on the rights of indigenous peoples who had lost most of their lands and the cultural, social and vital significance of the lands they belonged to. Yeah. And... Uh, human rights have taken a particular turn over time, I think, as I've just suggested then. Um, back in 1994, even, uh, Kilby uh, re- remarked on this in the context of international development programs. So I'll quote. References to human rights abuses seem to refer solely to the conventions relating to civil and political rights, which is the first, first generation. generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. The conventions relating to economic, social and cultural rights, the so-called right to development, are largely ignored and often openly flouted by donor and recipient countries. For example, 
Much of the advice given by bilateral and multilateral donors in developing structural adjustment development programs um, directly the advice directly contravenes the conventions relating to economic, social and cultural rights. Mm-hmm. So the right to a free elementary education is fast disappearing. Freedom from hunger and the equitable distribution of the world's food resources is not happening. And the access for all to medical services is declining. These are all rights enshrined in UN conventions, unquote. Mm. Yeah, and obviously we also see the way in which that is interpreted by this country when it has to do with things like indigenous rights and Mm. all of that. They basically deny the United Nations the right to speak to it. Mm. And there have been several missions by the United Nations and and its various divisions to come and check on these things and they have been just being rejected or ignored Mm -hmm. or uh, as we see now they have been accused of not following procedure Mm -hmm. as is happening by the reef discussion now where the UNESCO said that the reef is in danger Mm -hmm. and what does this country do it actually spends lots of money to go and ask the other countries to agree with Australia that it is not properly done Mm -hmm. that declaration that the reef is in danger so So all of that started to really change in the early 90s. Uh, At the beginning of the neoliberal impositions, and it has become ever clearer that there is a sustained preference for those not-so-universal rights, dealing with individual and commercial rights, and a systemic lack of support for the rights including included in the two yeah, other the two generations, generations the social, economic and... Cultural and, collective. That's right. Especially the collective rights of those who have lost most of their lands for the false promise of development and progress, progress. <laughs> as the struggle for Aboriginal peoples in this country eloquently and painfully demonstrates. Yeah. So, so I'm just going to go back a few steps. The, so the first generation of human rights were on political and civil. The second generation of human rights were or are uh, economic and social, and the third generation of human rights are cultural and collective. So Jacques, I guess you're saying that the first generation, political and civil, which came just after, um, closely after the Second World War, that the political and civil rights have somehow over time morphed to mean individual and commercial rights. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, particularly also given the culture of capitalism, which is all about individualism and and private rights. So the preferencing of the individual rights has certainly and centrally to do with the convergence of the individualistic and privatising spirit of capitalism with the sets of rights associated with the first generation of which they are and were a direct expression. Yeah, and maybe even more regrettably, over the last 30 years, the human rights... Human rights have really gained a bad reputation in many quarters, largely due to the habit of some Western powers using them to berate, inverted commas, less advanced or or other-minded nations for not applying applying them. So using them as something to hit other nations over the head with. Oh, yes, certainly. That started in in the United States under Reagan already in the early 80s. And they did that often and do that while abusing and neglecting the rights in their own countries. Yeah. Well, uh, an example we've recently referred to is Australia's 
Legitimate criticism of China's abuse of human rights, such as the mass detention of Uyghurs in so-called re-education camps, um, while at the same, but while at the same time Australia uh, imprisons asylum seekers here, often indefinitely, who have committed no crime, which by the way is against habeas corpus, which mm -hmm. we just referred back to the 13th century <laughs> where that exactly. came from. Um, and, and not to mention historical abuse and neglect of uh, Aboriginal people here. Uh, so I think it's a real shame to see human rights discourses really debased and delegitimated in this way. Absolutely. And as already mentioned, some argue that there are no universal human rights, that rightful behaviour is all to do with the cultural context. Mm. And this, of course, can then descend into a nihilistic relativism wherein anything goes. Whilst anything goes, that means anything goes that the powerful decide. Yeah. Whilst agreeing to a meaningful regard for local or cultural specificity, Jim Ive, who has written a lot about human rights, he argues that the universal set of human rights still provides a moral and a legal basis for the pursuit of social justice and warns, Jim warns against a too ready acceptance of a relativist position. Yeah, especially as a relative, relativist position is, is much too easily misused to excuse oppressive practices, um, which I think you just referred to, mm -hmm. um, in different political and economic realms, and especially one's own that's political and economic that's, realm. That's like, right. oh, it's all relative, you know, it's just, mm. this is okay in our cu cultural context. Yeah, and particularly because it may harm the individual interests of the those who have the power and the money already. Mm. So and we do believe, therefore, that it is important for the world community to have serious formal agreements on standards by which we should live together and treat each other. Yeah, some, some agreed on standards by which to hold ourselves and others accountable. Yeah, while recognising that most universal human rights will also have a specific and differentiated shaping in different contexts. Too often we fail to engage in explicit overall moral and ethical discourses. Yeah. We need such, ethical, uh, such ethical, ethical discourses yeah, <laughs> to establish a basic foundation to our pronouncements of what should happen in this world and amongst people and in people's relationship with their world. Yeah, well, in the absence of such overall moral discourses, and I'm using the word moral as well as ethical, mm -hmm. because we shy away from that. It's like we're embarrassed to talk about ethics or morality, like somehow it's... Yeah. Um, yeah, legitimacy. It doesn't sit well with personal freedom for lots of people. <laughs> so, in the so in the absence of such overall moral discourses um, in general, our particular interests tend to get in in the way, and and we do tend to resort to economic arguments. They come to the fore. So, for example, in talking about loss of revenue from the harvesting or from international students or the harvesting of international students, I could say. Mm -hmm. um, so we talk about that quite blatantly in public dialogue. Mm -hmm. It's quite crude and blatant, um, uh, rather than talking about how they've been left high and dry here during COVID, uh, as we discussed in a previous program in early November last mm -hmm. year. That's right. And the lack of public ethical discussion renders us incapable of seeing the common good and the importance of rights, rights and justice for all.
a message from Victoria's community sector. I'm looking forward to not worrying that my patients are going to die of COVID. To no one else being separated from their mum in aged care. I'm looking forward to our wedding and having our family and friends from overseas here with us. I really want to see my mum. I'm looking forward to being able to welcome guests without a mask on. To having all the sports back to normal so that my family members can come and watch me play. I look forward to performing in front of a big crowd again. So please, get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Let's get back to the good things. I ask you to get vaccinated. For all of us. Please get vaccinated. A message from Victoria's community sector. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. We're looking at human rights and their implications for us wanting to create a healthy present and future for all. In the absence of overall ethical and moral discourses in public life, we have the dominant pseudo-ethical discourse, mm. posting, positing that the pursuit of one's self-interest in a free market economy will generally lead to optimal social arrangements like the hidden hand of capitalism of good old <laughs> Mr. Smith 200 or so years ago. Sorry, I should mm. laugh. It's true. <laughs> that's right. <clears throat> anyway, that, that's our phony ethics in the absence of real ethics. Uh, the assumption of the market as a central principle for organising human relationships so that just looking after the economy takes precedence over care for each other and the natural world we're with, part of. Yeah. Mm, with the devastating consequences we are now witnessing all around us. Yeah, most recently um, we're seeing, seeing them on the news all the time, floods in China, Germany, out-of-control fires in California and Siberia. Yeah, one could call it stepping on our own petard. Mm, which is a little bomb. <laughs> That's right. Then there's our current very undemocratic and unrepresentative form of democracy including the separation of issues of rights and freedoms from social and economic inequalities and differentials of power. Mm -hmm. There is the deliberate misuse of our political talk about so-called mutual obligation. Yeah, aimed, and of course always aimed at people on social security while our federal government squanders and pork barrels taxpayers' money to the billions to further its electoral chances in marginal electorates, and we have that with sports rorts, community development funds, disaster funds, and of course most recently the car park scandal, which some are, are at last outright calling clear corruption. Of course, rights do come with obligations, but when these obligations are imposed on those who cannot possibly get jobs, because there aren't any, to then justify the denial of the rights, their rights, to support and for support for those who actually can't get ever to a job. Yeah, <clears throat> and actually the idea of rights as being intrinsic to being human or natural or inalienable, as words are used to depict that, it's not strictly speaking dependent on obligations or responsibilities. If they're intrinsic, um, they're part of being human. That's the idea of human rights. So, So when you talk about um, them being balanced with obligations and responsibilities, uh, that's a fallacy and it's not what human rights mean. And uh, I think as you suggest, Jacques, who gets to decide 
what the obligations are and who has them anyway. So ideas of obligation are they're, they're obviously something nestled in power. Totally. And, and they're not, they're not um, yeah, and, and for example, um, people seen not to have obligations mm. um, who are in positions of power, we could include in those companies mm -hmm. who've made profits from JobKeeper yeah. during COVID. Where were their obligations? We'll give you these millions and millions yep. and millions of dollars of money. That's right. And in exchange, you keep so many people employed. There are no mutual obligations. Yeah. We just handed over our money. Yes, in line with our previous programs about growing inequalities and abuses of power, mm. we can briefly return to that aspect of our conversation about rights and finish with a quote from Wallerstein all the way back Again, in 1995. Which was the onslaught, the beginning of the onslaught of neoliberalism. Yeah, and I quote, course. The self-contradiction of liberal ideology is total. If all humans have equal rights and all peoples have equal rights, then we cannot maintain the kind of inegalitarian system that the capitalist world economy has been and always will be. But if this is openly admitted, then the capitalist world economy will have no legitimacy in the, in the eyes of the dangerous, that means the dispossessed classes. And if the system has no legitimacy, it will not survive, unquote. Yeah. So I'm just going to read a bit of that again, Jacques. Um, mm -hmm. So if all humans have equal rights and all people have equal rights, then we cannot maintain the kind of inegalitarian system that the capitalist world economy has been and always will be. So it's saying that the capitalist system mm -hmm. actually depends on people not having equal rights. Exactly, yes. So they're incompatible. Totally, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Which yeah. makes sense. If a system's exploitive, how can mm -hmm. you guarantee everyone has equal human rights? That's or right. has human rights? Mm -hmm. You don't even have to say equal. Yeah, and, and I guess to bring in another layer to our discussion on human rights, we, we do need to bring in at some point, the non-human living world that we're intimately part of. Yes, an emerging group of so-called post-human thinkers. They remind us that it's not just humans who should have rights, but that nature and other species should be accorded rights too. So we will have to be very much, very, we will have to much, very much <laughs> widen our reflections on rights and whose rights prevail under which circumstances and so on yeah. and you will certainly talk more about these things in coming programs mm -hmm. okay we're running out of time again not really <laughs> we're on to, we're perfectly on time shark okay so some community service announcement announcements in relation to human rights there is actually an organization called the united nations association of australia and they have chapters uh, in each state so there is a united nations association in victoria unaa Vic Victoria.org.au. What U, they do? What, U N A. U. It's A A N A. Uh, sorry. U N A A Victoria. It's all one word. U N A A Victoria. Yeah, that's right. .org.au, mm -hmm. and it's a membership organisation. Mm -hmm. They are uh, very much promoting the causes and the idea of the United Nations and mm -hmm. uh, the human rights associated with that. And then also I should not uh, forget or we should not forget there's a human humanist society 
in Victoria as well. Mm -hmm. And they all very much are focused on a better understanding of human, human rights, rights in that context. Yeah. So thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio. If you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Our programs are available by podcast and the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.